Hey, look, Winston Churchill, um, he, he won the war um, and he power napped. In fact, sometimes he would go to meetings in his pyjamas. Like, <laughs> so we're advocating pyjama <laughs> management. Absolutely, there you go. <laughs> Welcome to Safety Help with Tony Collins. Join him to learn how to improve workplace safety to be legally compliant, win more contracts and increase profits. Hi listeners, and today I've got Rachel Lane on the show talking about fatigue in the workplace. I met Rachel years ago, and when I was thinking about fatigue, I immediately thought of Rachel because she's really passionate about health and wellness and really focused on fatigue, and she understands business. So Rachel's a perfect fit to offer great advice in this area. So Rachel, how are you going? Hey Tony, I'm good, thanks. How are you? Good, good. Hey, thanks for coming on, and uh, we'll crack right into it. Why, why do businesses need to worry about fatigue? Well, there's a couple of different angles you can approach when you're um, looking at fatigue um, as a risk in the in the workplace. From the in the first instance, really under the Health and Safety Act, uh, fatigue is uh, has been identified as a risk that companies need to mitigate. So, as far as their obligations are concerned, it makes sense that they have a really um, solid. Uh, policy and some procedures that everybody can uh, follow to, to better mitigate that risk uh, in the business. So so that's sort of from, from a business um, point of view. But, but really what we're most concerned about is the fact that um, when you have tired staff, you've got an increased risk of accidents, incidents. Um, we know that uh, when people are tired, uh, the rate of absenteeism goes up, or what they call presenteeism, which basically means they're physically there, but really their productivity is, is uh, low. So um, it makes absolute sense that we mitigate it and introduce some strategies so that, so that we can better um, have a higher level of performance and safety uh, out of our staff. Okay, great. Hey, you mentioned a level of tired there, and and I know this is a, a common thought. Um, can you explain the difference between, or if there is a difference between being tired or sleep or fatigue? Are they the same thing, or how are they related? Well, fatigue is more than just sleepiness. So it, it is, would be quite normal for, for us to, um, you know, from one day to, to the next have varying levels of alertness or, or the sleepiness because of it might be there's a new baby in the family and you're not getting enough sleep or, um, you know, you've just come back from a holiday and, and that sort of thing. So sleepy, daytime sleepiness is something that we all experience, um, from time to time. Fatigue is when, um, it's an ongoing uh, level of sleep debt, I suppose. So if somebody is working ex- long extended hours or they're working night shift where their opportunity for restorative sleep is um, is reduced, then fatigue is that excessive um, amount of sleep debt. And so with fatigue, you start getting all of these uh, other health symptoms uh, as, as well, or adverse health uh, symptoms. So Often it looks like depression, and so you talked about stress and, and how does that fit in there. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> often fatigue and stress exacerbate each other. So if you're fatigued, then you get stressed out because, of course, you're thinking, oh, I must I must get more sleep, I must get more sleep, and uh, and you can't. There's nothing worse, is there? Oh, gosh. I've got to go to sleep. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And then you end up watching the clock as well, and you wake yeah. up every half an hour going, oh, is it, you know, I need to get up, I need to get up. And mm. so you, it really affects your your um, ability. So fatigue is is more than just being sleepy and and that's where the real risk 
is in regards to employee safety, certainly. So I'm trying to think from a listener's point of view here, and they may be listening thinking, well, what can I do or what do I need to do about managing fatigue in my workplace? Okay, so the, the first thing really is for an employer to understand the um, how fatigue is actually affecting their business. So like if you if they haven't already had an opportunity to to start looking at it and measuring it and making sure they're including it in any sort of um, incident reports so a lot of the time uh, fatigue just sort of gets under recognized or or acknowledged so really the first thing that, that a business would need to do is to is start to create some awareness around it and then start to measure it so that they're putting in um putting in some of those measures so that they can uh, identify what fatigue may be costing their business. For example, yeah. if uh, if somebody has a uh, has a falls asleep at the wheel um, and they crash their truck, we want to be able to attribute well, what is that cost um, back to the business as a result of of fatigue. So once you start getting a handle on what it is costing the business, then you can actually start putting some measures in place and you continuously measure and monitor, implement new um, interventions, continue to measure and monitor so that you can um, get a better gauge of how those interventions are are reducing um, fatigue. A lot of the time fatigue is, um, you know, it's not even recognised as the underlying cause of an accident or an incident. And we might have someone have an accident and go, oh, that was due to inattention or, you know, environmental um, effects, but actually, um, if you look look back, it's all about human behaviour and human beings when they're tired make bad choices and or poor choices, and um, and that can lead to higher levels of distraction and inattention. Yeah, I mean, you and I met when I was in the air force, and we were looking at managing fatigue, and there we were doing a lot of work, but looking at the US Air Force, and they have some modelling software to help plan uh, operations or flights. But yeah, I, I found that difficult to, to get over to people as well, how fatigue can really affect your output. And a really good model that you can probably add to, or a good way of explaining it, is that if somebody woke up at eight o'clock in the morning and worked to about two o'clock the next morning, they are operating at the equivalent of being illegally drunk and driving. That's right. Is that correct? Yeah, that's, yeah. that's absolutely right. If, you're, if you've been awake for 17 hours, you have an impairment level as if you were over the um, blood alcohol level. Um, 0.08 I think it is mm-hmm. so it's it's all it has the same impairment and if you've ever been so tired that you actually do feel drunk you start bumping into things or tripping over things you can't speak properly just from being really tired so mm. it has the same level of impairment on the central nervous system as being drunk and this is what this is what this pro, you know it's such a big problem is that we're sending our guys out to work as if they've just sort of left the pub and, and had a couple of beers mm. <laughs> Yeah. Now, the thing is that most people, though, won't start work at 8 in the morning and work till 2 the next morning. I know that some probably will. (laughs) (laughs) But they will be affected by potentially shift cycles and so on. Yeah, absolutely. So we have what's called the circadian rhythm, and it is just... um, as human beings, how we operate. So we have periods of the day where we're more alert than other times of the day. And um, 
essentially we should be awake during the daytime and asleep at night time and that's just how it's been since day dot really and that that circadian level is regulated or uh, our, our bodies stay in tune with the rise and fall of, of the sun so uh, but when our body when we're working when we should be sleeping uh then then we we have a whole another ball game because people are, are working against biologically how we yeah, should be operating. But but the fact is, people are going to have to work over those dips, aren't they? Yeah, that's, so, that's it. So how, how what do they do? What do those someone designing a work cycle? How do they manage that situation? Yeah. Well, you know what? There's actually no perfect roster, and this is, I think, if I could invent the perfect roster, I'd make a lot of money um, because there isn't. And this is where it comes down to the individual um, being as educated and aware of how their body feels but given the nature of the job that they've chosen chosen to do so in an ideal world we shouldn't have people working um, at night time but um, but that's not the reality of it so really what we need to do and as we talked about just a little bit before about monitoring it and and, um, and having a look at fatigue and what it looks like in your business there is um, in the software you were talking about before you can have a look at predictive levels of of fatigue so you can you can put in a schedule whatever schedule that is starting up at you know eight in the morning and finishing at at two in the morning or the following day or whatever and um you can actually have a look it has an algorithm and it can predict levels of fatigue Um, and that's based on prior sleep and and that sort of thing and so that's certainly one component but the other thing that those those software programs don't take into account is that we are all we're human beings, and from from the my ability to cope with shift work is going to be different to your ability to cope. Um, so we all have different dispositions to working um, long hours. It also has um, the effect of um, how hydrated someone might be what sort of nutrition are they getting good food are they exercising are they on medication what else is going on for them and that's why there's such an important mix that a company needs to take you can't just put on a software that um, predict that creates a roster you have to also empower the individuals to take better responsibility for managing themselves through the shift and uh, and it, I and my belief is that the employer should it's in their best interest to provide that awareness and provide that education because at the end of the day it's going to be their staff who are going to be performing better as a result of understanding how their body works yeah great um, I really liked that predictive type approach to working out your alertness level mm. rather than your fatigue level it's probably saying the same thing but to me, it's more forecasting and allows you to make a change today to influence how you could be feeling and the risk that you're posing to the business in the future. Yes. The, you know, and the company policy around that as well. It's really important, isn't it? It absolutely is. And it's really important that these, anyone who's looking after the schedules the, the, um, or the, the roster design is as informed about fatigue and the effects on the body as the guys that are out there doing the work as well it has to come has to it has to come from the top and and everybody needs to be engaged in the whole process and and really get it and understand that's all very well to sit in your office and go you are going to work this schedule because we need to get a to b in this period of time um and i understand that 
but it's best that that person who's creating that model um, has a real good handle on what impact that's making on, on their staff. Look, and, and I, I've got my own experience. I've worked in a, a I designed a roster to, to work 24 7, 365 days a year. And we were originally, there were only two people set up to manage that position. And I argued why we need more. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, and that was when I was in the military and there were different cultures. We had the Air Force culture, the Navy and the Army. And there were, at any one time, there was a mix of, uh, an Army person, an Air Force person and, and Navy on this five person roster. And coming from my background, I was a, a, a pilot and it was the way we managed fatigue while flying was you were allowed to go and have a sleep. You know, people probably don't want to hear that, but it, it was a, a technique to manage your alertness level because people want people to be alert when they need to be alert. Yes. Um, so when I was working on this roster, I would say to the my my peers working on the roster, I'm going to be sleeping at night and I bring in my roll bag with my sleeping bag mm-hmm. and, and so on. But the the guys from the army in particular – that was, from their cultural mindset, that was a chargeable offence because I'm effectively sleeping on my post. Absolutely. So we came from a diff- different, and I understand why they thought that, but it was a really different cultural mindset mm-hmm. around working this roster. So, and I, I could never convince them and they could never convince <laughs> me. So I would nap during the night and I would wake up relatively fresh and they would be falling asleep yep. at 8 in the morning, but they stayed awake. Yeah. Well, there you go. But how the thing about also being fatigued is that they they may have gone I'm 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 awake, but their brain for moments may have had what's called a micro sleep. So your eyes can be open and you can look like you're awake, but actually your brain goes to sleep. And that is that is where the real risk um, comes into it. So if you were at war, let's say, and you've got all these guys that are um, having these micro sleeps and then suddenly they really need to react quickly or something's happening and they need to be alert and make really great decisions as you would need to in that sort of situation. Mm. They're absolutely not going to be able to. They're going to make really poor decisions and they're going to put other people at risk as a result of their inability to to, to manage themselves. Um, power napping ha- is one of the key strategies for mitigating uh, the risk of fatigue. There is no other way to to reduce your sleep debt other than get sleep. Lots of people will look at using stimulants and caffeine and drugs and all of those things. You know, even some of the campaigns around um, long weekends and, and how do you stay alert on the road, and they have the driver reviver stops, and that's great because it creates awareness. However, they don't provide an opportunity for people to have a quiet space and say, take a power nap. They say, have a coffee, walk around your car, have a hot dog, whatever. Mm. That's actually not mitigating the risk of fatigue at all. All that's doing is just maybe delaying it by about 20 minutes. But the, the best thing you can do is to take those power naps, and it's really great that that you do that. I work with another a number of companies who have power napping as part of their procedure. All of their truck drivers in this one particular um, company, their guys are allowed to power nap whenever they need to. The only criteria is that they alert their manager so that they know that they've pulled off into a um, 
into a safe place off on, on the side of the road. They know how to power nap. They get into the passenger seat. They take the keys out of the ignition and uh, they time it. And that's that's the key thing as well, is having it no more than 20 minutes. So these guys are educated as to how to power nap. Now that's made a significant difference to their business. Another business that I worked with um, were having... Uh, prior to into, uh, integrating this power napping strategy, they're having on average five human-related, you know, errors a night. Not nothing, nothing blew up, nothing, um, nothing too outrageous. But you know, uh, there were still errors that were happening enough that meant you know there was a bit of a, a trail effect going on there. So then we introduced, uh, we set up a napping station and a napping log, and everyone used to write down how they felt prior to the nap, how they felt after the nap. So they went from having five errors a night to no errors. Just through, and this is over a night shift. So they let the guys have these power naps. In fact, some of them would have 90 minutes, which is a full sleep cycle. And as long as it's managed, and as long as it's not someone just sneaking off, then that becomes a bit of a risk in itself. But if it's a managed nap, that's probably one of the key strategies I can suggest to people. So that all of a sudden, in the example you're talking about there, now you've got a, a, a business benefit um, because you're more effective if you're not making errors. Because one day those, that error could cost a lot of money or could hurt somebody or who Absolutely. knows where that could go. You ha- Absolutely. And you only have to look at um, some of the... Um, large global disasters, the Exxon Valdez, you look at the Challenger, you, examples of where there's been some really catastrophic incident and they relate it all back to fatigue and people making bad decisions. Great. So what I've, I've got is, you know, education is key and it really needs to start at the top end of the business in question. They need mm-hmm. to be convinced mm-hmm. the business benefit and not only in terms of financial but the risk to people and their resource if they can manage fatigue and then the culture around that I gave the example of the army culture and I understand why that culture exists and that would tie back to education as well if someone could be convinced and told this is why you do it and then maybe there'll be a eureka moment Hey, look, Winston Churchill, um, he, he won the war um, and he power napped. In fact, sometimes he would go to meetings in his pyjamas. Like, <laughs> so we advocated pyjama <laughs> management. Absolutely, there you go. <laughs> so some of the greatest people of our time um, used to used to power nap as a, as a strategy for, um, you know, it's not a great long-term strategy. I would never say just try and get by on, on these power naps for the rest of your life. It's certainly... Um, that's not going to be. That's not really great long term, but for, for a, a short term technique, it's fantastic. Great. Okay. So, and I really like that idea of a bank. You know, with a bank, you take out a loan, and in this case, if you're not having enough sleep, you owe it back, mm-hmm. and if you don't pay it back, you'll pay it back another way. Exactly. Yeah, that's a great analogy. Um, that's a really great way to look at it. Okay. Well. Is there anything else you want to mention or, or put another way, what were you hoping I wouldn't ask about fatigue? <laughs> well, I'll, I'll tell, tell you something interesting that, that we've um, discovered over the last few years of talking to people um, in our workshops. So um, one, of the, one of the biggest things that has, has um, been identified is a sleep disorder called obstructive sleep apnea. 
And as we've been going around, and particularly with the demographic um, that we that we talk to, uh, these particular people have more of a sedentary uh, type job. Uh, they're working long, irregular hours, and so their ability to exercise is reduced. Maybe their um, uh, their ability to eat well when they're out on the run. So unfortunately. These poor guys have have a higher risk of having this this sleep condition, and we know that that some um, international data has has um, proved that. And uh, so, one of the things that that we're really passionate about is is creating some awareness around obstructive sleep apnea. We know again, if you're looking at the commercial transport sector, at least twenty five percent, and we we actually believe it's probably even closer to forty percent of that market are likely to have sleep apnea when you have sleep apnea it's going to mean that your daytime sleepiness is really elevated and that is where we start seeing all these uh, traffic accidents and people micro sleeping falling asleep at the wheel um, and having head-on collisions is is quite typically um, what would happen Mm. so uh, we think that that needs to be something that anyone in the safety critical industries really need to pay attention to Um, that that's a that's a that's a key strategy that someone can implement into their annual uh, health checks. So it's no different to checking um, blood pressure, cholesterol, cardiovascular, diabetes, all of these things that people are now looking for in their annual medicals. We need to start looking at sleep disorders as well because fantastic. Yeah. Okay. Hey, there's a lot there, and if people want to get hold of you to get more advice on managing fatigue, how do they go about doing that? Well, we'd love to. We'd love to talk to anybody. As you can probably tell, I could talk about this all day long. But um, we have our website, www.frms.co.nz. Uh, my name's Rachel, so rachel at frms.co.nz. Um, and all our details uh, are on our website. Great. Hey, thank you, Rachel, for coming in. Oh, thanks, Tony, for having me. All right, cheers. See ya. This has been another episode on Workplace Safety by Tony Collins. For more tips, visit safetyhub.co.nz and join the free newsletter.